Bonds and Modern Gods. I am John. And I am Richard. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. We've got underrated books of the week. We've got uh, a little bit of the old fart rules. We go back to 1983 to talk about the books that shaped our lives as collectors. We've got a little show and tell today where Richard and I show off some of our newest acquisitions into our collection. And of course, we've got the hot book of the week. But first, a word from this week's sponsor, Richard. Can you keep track of what you're reading? You know, I can. And it's specifically because of the new app by Wakum. Wakum is great for comic book collectors and more importantly, comic book readers. Track what you own, what you've read, what to read next. You can add whatever data you like. If you are a super nerd like Richard and I, you can add the CGC grade, the page quality, whatever you want to add. It's like a social network for comic book readers and collectors. You can see what your friends are reading, what issues they're missing, and more. I like spying on Richard's collection. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I spy on John's too. John, John has more books in it than I do. But I know. Uh, the best part. <laughs> is it's free if you download it right now uh it's called wakum w-h-a-k-o-o-m that's wakum it's at the google play store and the apple app store and you can follow me and richard on wakum i am at john underscore hughes h-u-g-h-e-s just like the famous director of 16 candles and richard what they can find you as they can find me at chronosafe c-h-r-o-n-o-s is in sam a F is in Frank E. Chronosafe. What the heck does that mean? It's but a name I've had for 25 years. <laughs> when you were in Lestat, the goth band, were you Chronosafe? That you should have been. I was Chronosafe back then. Yes, I was. Back to Wakum. It is on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Check it out. Try it for free. You got nothing to lose. Let us know what you think. It is Wakum. Moving on to our hot book of the week. Richard, here we go again. Marvel's Voices, Spider-Verse number one. More Spider-Verse stuff. Okay, here we go again. Speculation time based on the first appearances of a couple of new Spider-Verse characters. We've got Recluse, a female Spider-Verse character who comes from a world that is ruled by Electro. Why is she called Recluse? If she, if she leaves the house, she's not a recluse if she's out there committing crime. Recluse is a type of spider. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's a poisonous spider. I get it now. Thank you. <laughs> and Spider Friend, a Spider-Man based character that comes from a universe, universe uh, based around sitcom tropes. It's just as stupid as it sounds, folks. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting book. Um, it's a whopping $9.99 price point. Wow. So I don't know if this is going to be a heavily ordered book. Well, it, it does explain one thing. The, there's a whole bunch of variants around this. There is uh, a Jiang trade dress variant, uh, which is going for about $20, $25. It's got Miles on it. It's got Spider-Punk and a few of the other Spider-Verse characters. And then there is a Jiang 1 in 50 Virgin variant, which is going for $150 to $170 right now. I can't imagine many stores ordering 50 copies of a $10 book. Right, right. Like this. Uh, so that one in 50 may truly be scarce. Uh, there's the Inhyuk Lee variant, which features Recluse and Spider Friend uh, on the cover. That one's still going for cover price. And the A cover, the regular A cover is going for cover price or even like 12 bucks on eBay. So 
you know, it's, it's the flavor of the week uh, for the Spider-Verse characters. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I am just afraid that Marvel is going to water down the whole concept of, of the Spider-Verse to the point where it's meaningless by the time the movie comes out. You think? Yeah. It's- Richard, they're not watering down Spider-Man <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I don't know why they have to be so heavy-handed. You know, it's, it's one of those things well, where, well, one of these things works really well. Let's try 10 of them and see how much we can milk it before the trend goes away. Why not just I, leave it at the one and keep the trend? I do get the the good intentions behind the Marvel's Voices series. You know, it's all about inclusivity. It's all about representation. Uh-huh. But some of it is just ding dong ridiculous. Spider friend, <laughs> spider friend. He like lives in the Friends universe or Ross and Rachel and. Geez, so- uh, I don't I don't really see this book being a, being a thing in a year from now. If you if you enjoy the book, read it. Yeah. But I wouldn't invest a whole lot of money in it. Someone in the comments last week uh, when we were going off about Spider-Verse stories had a good point. Um, they said that we were really excited for the Spider-Verse trailer, yet here we are trashing the uh, very book and the concept. Uh, I would like to be very specific. I was not excited about the Spider-Verse trailer. <laughs> I again, it's um, I'm a big Miles fan. That's that's obvious. Um, but I, I I like the Spider-Verse movies because of the tension they create. There is a there is a uh, literary tension that gets created between Spider-Man and the rest of the universe. In this case, it's Miles Morales and the rest of the Spider People. And that tension is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it for for that setup for that, the, them him working through it and then coming out at the end. Probably it's going to be a cliffhanger because remember this is a two part movie. Well, there's two Spider Verse movies. There's one coming out this year and there's one coming out next year. So I'm not really anticipating a huge conclusion to this movie. Uh, so that tension may still exist, and we have to go into it to the next movie. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. These the comic books. I, I think I think we're drifting from Spider Friend. I, I, I think we're drifting away from, you know, Miles is the center of the Spider Verse movie, Miles uh, and Gwen, and we're drifting to these other characters. And it, it, you know, I was talking about it works for one. Let's try it with ten more times. Well, you know, it worked for Spider Spider Man Noir, and it worked for, um, you know, the the characters in the movie. Uh, the first movie, and that was great. Those are seeing those universes were real was really cool, but to see another 20, 30 universes without any connection, direct connection to um, the centralized plot that's going through the movie gets a little long in the tooth. You know, it's like season fifteen of Walking Dead. You know, do we need fifteen seasons of Walking Dead? Um, oh man poor dan slot was uh kind of getting it in the comments uh also from last week's show and i think that's where my disappointment comes in is i'm actually a big dan slot fan i like a lot of what dan slot has done in the past uh specifically with spider-man and boy is this going to be a hot take right here i can't wait to see the comments after i say this i liked brand new day that brought me back (laughs) I'll be careful. I said brand new day. I did not say one more day. Okay. Okay. One more day was, uh, I think it was a band-aid that had to be ripped off. 
I think it had to happen. Did it have to happen that way? No, that was dumb. They should have just done a hard reboot uh-huh. uh, and a, just a total reset. Hey, this is Spider-Man now. Deal with it. Uh-huh. Um, and But Brand New Day brought me back to Spider-Man after a long time. And Mr. Negative and all that stuff uh-huh. when it was Dan Slott first started, it was good. Uh-huh. And, you know, of course, he was, even though it was supposed to be a clean reset, he was still saddled with a bunch of stuff. What does Mary Jane remember? Uh, you know, who's the, you know, still baggage. But. I don't know. It's, I don't know if he's just uh, trying to keep his medical insurance or what now. No, I, I, I don't know how much, how much um, he is given by the higher ups as to the direction of what he writes. You know, there is this overarching idea where comic books now feel like lead-ins to movies or TV Mm -hmm. shows. So he may have been told, okay, here's the characters you need to develop we will let you, we'll give you the latitude to develop, but at the end of the story, they, things need to be in this position because that feeds into the next property that we're going to use to lead into Spider-Verse. So, you know, give, give Mr. Slot some, some leeway because he may not be the only person making these decisions. I would also say someone else left a comment, but it's something we've said on this show many times. You're Dan Slot, or you're just a Marvel writer, any Marvel writer. Why would you ever give them anything new or truly innovative you're not going to own it you're not going to control it you're not you're going to participate somewhat but not like robert kirkman in walking dead to go back to your 15 seasons i mean he owns the walking dead can you imagine so yeah he was writing for marvel when he created that imagine if he had given that to marvel under the epic imprint or something i i I don't think marvel wants new ideas i i think marvel has gotten to the point now i you know we're we're kind of wandering but Marvel has gotten to the point now where they have enough IP uh, already accumulated. It has a proven track record of making this this particular character has made this much amount, amount of money. This particular character has made this much. So if we have a movie where both of these characters are in it, we can expect an audience of this. So they have all these analytics about the characters they have. Adding a new character means you've got this unknown quantity and now we've got to adapt and hoped that this particular character is going to be uh, profitable. I, I don't think they're in the in the in the mode of making movies anymore. I think they're in the mode of making money, and that's that's Disney. Yeah, and it, it's sad because you're never you're never going to have another Deadpool. No, uh, you're not going to have another Sleepwalker. Maybe but that's the, a good. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's a great thing for the indie market. I mean, we we live in a world now where you can publish a comic book in the same quality that Marvel or DC or image does. You can publish a comic book yourself and, and now distribution is going to be a problem, but you be like Swaggle house and start a Kickstarter and get it funded. You know, that's a good point. The, the only thing stopping you is you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's and this. It's a great time uh, to be alive. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the back in the old days when you had Cerebus and, you know, you had two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everything was in black and white because it was cheap, but you could publish it and you could do it yourself without any assistance. And, you know, we now hey, live in a world where you can do it yourself and have the same level of quality. I think it's I hope that it's going to spawn a whole new uh, round of independent publishers and writers and artists who will own their properties and then be approached by Amazon to make make some movie direct. Uh, Joe Quesada at Amazon. 
Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Maybe that's maybe Joe is on to something. Maybe he has some insight that we don't. Maybe Amazon's on to something hiring Joe. I mean, think about the connections that man has. Right. Let's remind everyone why we love this hobby. So we're going to do a little show and tell. We haven't done this in a while, Richard. Uh, apologies to the podcast listeners. We will try to describe in detail <laughs> as much as we can, but this is really one you might want to flip over to the YouTube channel and check it out. Uh, just some stuff randomly that we've gotten recently. Uh, I can start off with uh, something we haven't really had an episode on yet. Um, Marvel Westerns. Oh, okay. Now, why haven't we had an episode on this? Because it would be me and like four other people who would be interested in this. I, I don't think so. Whenever you mention Westerns, there seems to be an audience out there that's listening. You know, let's test it. Um, I love these early Marvel Silver Age Westerns. This is Gunsmoke Western uh, issue number 52. It's Jack Kirby cover. It's got Kid Colt and Wyatt Earp. It's a great so, cover. You know, I, you know, a lot of these early pre-hero Kirby covers on these are just gorgeous. And these books are impossible in 6.0 or higher. They're just really scarce. This is a particular favorite of mine. Kid Colt number 89. It is Kirby and Ditko. Okay. Kirby inked by Ditko. So what kind of grade do you think they are? Oh, I didn't buy them unless I thought they were 5.0 or better. Most of them are sixes or sevens. Uh, I like. I bought a little collection and they all had this little stamp on it by a guy named E.J. Koblish owned oh. these books. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, E.J. for your collection. I'm, I'm taking good care of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have gotten some of these slabbed before in the past and gotten 7.5s, 8.0s. And uh, when times were tight, like, you know, during the purge, I would put them up on eBay, $200, $300 each, you know, and I think I paid for them raw 10 to $30, depending on what they are. Uh, this is Two Gun Kid uh, from uh, issue 55. This is before they uh, re revamped the character to make him more superheroic with a mask and everything. This is the original Two Gun Kid by Kirby. So just really good stuff. A thing about these Marvel Westerns is every, almost every comic shop I go to has this tucked away in the back of the back issues is this sad little short box with the word <laughs> Westerns on scrawl over the Sharpie. And you can just go in there and find them and get them for like five, 10 bucks, press them, clean them. And they look great. And you can, if you're a flipper, there are guys like me out there that are looking for high grade copies of these books. And they're so scarce because they're the demand I don't think is there. So again, they've been sitting, rotting away in these poor little boxes that are silver fish infested. Who knows what else is going on? <laughs> well, you're there to rescue them. I am. What do you have? Uh, I've got a couple different things. Let me start off with, I am a big Miracle Man fan and uh, Miracle Man number one, there are, are a couple different variants of it. There is the blue and gold, which I, um, it's a limited edition, search for the, for the gold, found the gold, had it slabbed, great book. Um, then there's, of course, the regular number one cover. Then there is the UK variant. They published about 1,600 copies specifically for the UK market. In the UK market, the back cover for that book is a yellow advertisement as opposed to uh, the Zot advertisement that's on the back of the- um, We had someone in the live chat when we were doing a live stream tell us about this, right? Uh, 
did they tell us about that? This is something I've been looking for for a while. Okay. okay. So I found was I have an, a search on eBay that runs constantly, and I've seen a number of copies. And some copies came up, and this one showed up. This is a, a Nino. Um, it was an auction. Uh, you see, a, there's a label right there. It says, mm -hmm. it says UK edition. So I was looking at like nine or ten different, not, not nine or ten. There's five or six different copies of this book. This one was up there. The auction was for fifty bucks. Uh, start at fifty. Wasn't getting any play. I have my sniping software set for seventy five dollars. I get it for fifty bucks. Great, awesome. Right. By the time tax and shipping, I'm like $75 in. So I think it's great because normally the raws of this book go for about $300 is what the, what people are asking for. Get it here, flip it over, and it does not have the yellow back. It has the standard Zot back, which is what you get for, you know, this is a normal, um, well, it's an, I'm going to call it an American copy, even though, it, even though it may have been sold in England uh, or the UK. Um, it is not the variant with the yellow back. Why did CGC note it? I have no idea. This is did you tell them to when you did the submission form. I did not submit this. This is I bought oh, the you bought slab. it like that. I bought it slabbed. So hold it up. What does it say by the price point? Seventy five cents, and what what is to the right of the price point? Okay, it does have UK and Canada there. Yeah, but um, if yeah, you look but at I hear what you're saying. If you look at the the normal copy from the U.S., it says the same thing. It has also has the U.K. pricing on it. Oh, but wow. the only way to tell the difference is the back, is the advertisement on the back. So yeah, this is me. I can't complain to the seller because this it says on the cover U.K. edition, right? Mm -hmm. So it was on me to do due diligence, and I completely spaced on this and did not notice it had the wrong wrong back. Yeah, the picture of the back cover on the listing. Oh man. So I don't know why why uh, CGC put UK edition on here. I have no idea, but I, I couldn't I, I couldn't with good conscience sell it. No, I, I don't. It's not what I want, you know, in terms of for my collection. I have a I have a nine a nine six of uh, of this book for the gold edition. I have a number of raws that are for you know with the UK or in the normal back. So you know, I'm basically out seventy five dollars. You know, because uh, I'm never going to sell it. Um, um, and I, I I still need to have a, a yellow back for the UK edition. That's just a bad that that's a lesson. That is a lesson in doing your due diligence and being aware of what you're buying. I, I'm sorry for this. I truly am. But I'm going to one up you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> OK, I have a very similar story than I. That I pulled. Uh, if you look at the show notes, I even have. What would you do? Mm -hmm. I'm on a live sale on Instagram, and someone has a copy of Venus Number Four on the wall, and I'm excited. Yeah. And I see they're asking 300 for it. Wow. And I say, Will you take 250? And they accept the offer, and they ship me the book, and I get Venus Number Four, and it's a 2.5 as advertised. It nice. arrives right uh-huh uh-oh uh-oh is right do you see what the problem is you have to be a real a marvel timely golden age person to see what the issue is here it is the superior comics canadian edition it is not the u.s timely 
Oh, okay. And there's a difference in value. There's a difference in value. The inside and back, the inside uh, back and front covers are blank. Mm -hmm. It's got a different back cover because it's printed in Canada. Okay. It is Canadian variant. Now, in these days, you know, Canadian variants from the 80s, yeah, premium. For Golden Age books, not so much, quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it's on me because I joined the live stream late. I just said, hey, what's that Venus there? Will you take 250 for it? I don't know if the guy fully described it as being Canadian before I joined. What would you do? Wow. Well, I, at two at two fifty, that seemed to be a fantastic price for that book. If it wasn't, yeah. it was the timely edition. I don't. Right. What would I do? I mean, it's. I I think you just have to eat it. To be honest I'm with you, exactly. I just like you said with your book, I'm going to suck it up and take it because, now, I will say this: if it was my live sale and someone had, if I had this book and someone said, "Will you take two fifty for it?" You know me, anybody that's joined our live sales knows me. I will note an issue right, mm -hmm. two or three times. You know, I'll say, hey, just want to make sure you know this is the Superior Comics Canadian version before you claim this. You know, uh, should the seller have said that? Maybe, but you know, I was excited. I saw Venus. I didn't have, I grabbed it. See, I'm glad I didn't buy it for you because i would have had no idea <laughs> the minute the minute it arrived i looked at it and i was like oh cool and then i do my thing where i always check the uh the staples i always check the centerfold and i opened it up and i saw the blank inside front cover and i went ah poop i knew exactly what it was uh lessons lessons we learn even 40 years into this uh game now would cgc would they note that absolutely okay it's going to say Canadian edition on the label, which, you know, I might still send it, get it slabbed and sell it as Canadian edition. There's no shame in that. It's just not going to be, it's not going to be my collection. I don't, I don't want those Canucks. It's still a Venus number four, right? I mean, sort of. <laughs> it's been a comic snob. <laughs> it's been tainted by those hosers. Uh, what's your next book? Uh, my next book is, um, I bought this off of, uh, gosh, I forget which, whose website. It is a Scarlet Witch. It is a Adam Hughes variant. It's Have you not shown us this book like seven times before? <laughs> I, I literally just opened the box for this. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think I, I, I did mention it before, but this, this, is, this is the first time I've had it in my hand. Um, it's, you see, it's got the, uh, it's got the, um, COA here with it. I've been thinking Adam Hughes is having a sign signing with CGC. So I was thinking about submitting this book. It's, it's a gorgeous book. There's a trade dress version of this. This is, I think is the, like I said, it's limited to the 500, 500 issues, uh, 500 copies, but I just think it's a nice cover. Um, and again, Adam Hughes is one of my favorite artists. So if I'm submitting something, this is probably going to be a nine, eight that I'll send it. Did he sign the cover, front cover? He has not, no. On the, on the art? No, just on the art. On the itself. art? Uh, like is A-H with an exclamation point? I do not. I guess yes. Yes, there's A-H right there. Does it say Afterburn? It does not. Okay, because you know that's an homage of Avengers West Coast that John Byrne drew. I did not know that. Yeah, that's, um, 
I think issue 40 something. Yeah. And, you know, at least give John Byrne credit for the layout. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they, they usually do, but yeah. I don't see any, any kind of comment here. Uh, it may be inside, but I don't see anything on the cover. Bad ad abuse. Bad. <laughs> yep. First rolled up newspaper to whack him on the nose. All right. CGC. We haven't had a CGC uh, gripe fest in a while. This is not going to be that gripe fest. This oh. is a combination of good and bad. I like everything with CGC lately. Um, went to WonderCon, submitted a bunch of books at WonderCon. I submitted Fast Track Modern, Fast Track Economy, Express, and Magazine. Oh, no. Okay. All right. All, now, you- first of all, was it all in the same shipment? All in the same drop-off. Okay. Gotcha. What do you think got here first? I know because you showed me. Ah. <laughs> Fast Track Modern. Fast Track Modern arrived a week and a half after submission, which was insanely fast. So what's Express mean anymore? What does it, my Express book is still in grading and encapsulation. My Express submission has been in grading and encapsulation, not received in grading and encapsulation for two weeks now. Wow. My magazine has been in grading and encapsulation for three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Why is it taking three weeks to grade and encapsulate a book? Well, we've had turnarounds for magazines of up to a year. So, you know, my fast track economy got back in two and a half weeks. Okay. Not bad. So first one is one of the, um, the fast track moderns that is really cool i found this uh cheap somewhere i don't know if they knew what it was and it is jungle action number 21 the famous clan cover but it's a 30 cent variant oh wow 30 cent variant up there yeah Mm -hmm. and i love that john byrne custom label with the john byrne black panther at the top yeah it's great so it came back a six five uh with a little press and clean, that's that's about what it was going to be. Uh, and they did note that it was the 30 cent variant. So uh, very happy with that one. Excellent. And then I got my upgrade. My flaming carrot number one. <laughs> I had a 9.0. Now I have a 9.2. So I'm going to sell my 9.0 if anybody needs a flaming carrot 9.0. But incrementally, I think the next step is for me to get a 9.4. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Love and Rockets 1. I have a 9.0. I'm going to end up probably buying a 9.2 and then creeping up. Yeah. it's. T- I will pay for a 9.8 Flaming Carrot. It's tough. Same here. I would I would bite the bullet and pay a 9.8. Yeah. For the same reason. Mm-hmm. All black border. Exactly. All black border back cover as well. So it is a tough, tough book in grade. Um, and a couple that you will love and appreciate. Um, the timing couldn't be better on these advanced dungeons and dragons. Number one, that's gorgeous. 9.6 white pager. I thought it had an outside shot at a nine, eight. I'm, I'm happy slash expected a nine, six. So happy with this, with the movie and everything. It's a book that's kind of taking off along with this next book. That's taking off alongside it. This one's really special. It is, Dragonlance number one, mm. 9.8. New, New stand. stand. 
So very happy with this. So I have a 9.8 direct, a 9.8 newsstand, and a 9.6 direct in this book. So next live sale, uh, we're going to sell a couple of those. You ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Of course. We talked about that, didn't we? I don't remember if we did. Remember, we I wasn't allowed because of my Christian. Oh, family. that's right. We did talk about it in the, in the after show, right? Speaking of Dan Slot, this is Ren and Stimpy, number six, <laughs> Spider Man versus Powdered Toast Man, mm -hmm. new stand edition, nine point eight white pager. This has the distinction of being the very first book, the very first time Dan Slot ever wrote Spider Man. Oh, uh -huh, really? <laughs> Dan Slott was the writer for Red and Stimpy and did this crossover. So that's where he first wrote Spider-Man, and that was from 1993. Wowza. Gosh. Uh, what else do you have? Do you have anything else? Yeah, let's see. Um, I don't have anything big. Um, oh, here's a book. This this is a book that I, I read. Um, I'll just show it. It's Prez number one. I love it. <laughs> this is a story about a teenager who gets elected uh, president of the United States through social media, basically. Uh, there's this version, which is the original story. And then there is another story told sometime in the uh, 20, 2010s. I can't the, ver the Vertigo version. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is the first edition of it. Uh, I think it's only six issues in the whole series. Um but it's a great story. I mean, it, it, it really resonates with the way our, our politicians uh, are chosen nowadays. Um, this book, it wasn't very expensive. You see, it's, it says Nino. It was a, has a $30 sticker on it. Uh, I think I ended up paying $25 for it. But I think it, with a good press, it's going to be higher than a Nino. So um, just, just, a, just a cool book. Uh, if, if you ever get a chance to, to read... Um, it's it's great because to see an 18 year old as president is is just worth it <laughs> crazy uh joe simon book one of the books that joe simon edited when he came back to dc in the 70s and at the time it was not universally acclaimed and or received uh, <laughs> it kind of like brother power the geek his other famous flop for dc but there are people like me that love to uh see perez in their long box right next to plop Speaking of plop, whoa! What a segue! <laughs> I won't, I won't pass up an opportunity to show a plop number one. Love it! <laughs> I saw this in a long box at um, at the Fan Expo and had to have it. I'm a big fan of 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 plop uh, and the artwork in it. This this says it's about a nine two plus. Um, it says a price of fifty five. I paid less, so I think like forty five for it. Something like nice. That. But uh, it's great, great condition. This is a this is an all red cover. Um, I don't see any spine ticks. I'm going to give it a good pressing, and I think it's going to be a nine six when it's all done. That was a comic that was insanely popular when it first started. Um, I remember my cousins would buy plop, and I would get to read their plops. But um, the do you know about the DC comic book mobile in the no, 70s? No, they have like kind of an ice cream truck that they put decals on and they would go into New York and New Jersey neighborhoods, just like an ice cream truck and sell comic books from the comic book mobile. And Bob Rosakis, who worked at DC was in charge of the comic mobile. And they always said plop was one of the biggest sellers from the comic book mobile. <laughs> Great book. I love it. Basil Wolverton cover. 
uh, Sergio Aragona's art inside. You cannot go wrong with Plop. Oh, all this is taking me back, Richard. How is how far back is it taking you? It's taking me back to when I had El Torito and I ended up with an old fart rule. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. And now it was bad. We're going to need an intervention. We're going to need uh, Diener or someone. <laughs> yeah, Diener, send us something, please. Really? Yeah, submit, your, uh, submit your segues, please, people. Uh, old fart rule this week. We go back 40 years to 1983, which, you know, <laughs> what? Uh, 1983 is 40 years? Oh, man. Do you remember the big hubbub over Frank Miller's Ronin. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it on the newsstands. I did not buy a copy, though. I was not. I was a big Daredevil. I was reading Daredevil back then, but not Ronin. You just described everyone else. This was Frank's big project after leaving Daredevil and Marvel. I will say it was a milestone for creators rights because Frank Miller was the first to negotiate with any of the big two for unprecedented creative control. And to retain the rights to good old Ronin, such as they are. But overall, a huge disappointment. Um, people saw this and realized how much Claus Jansen actually brought to Daredevil with his inking and his coloring. Mm -hmm. Also, it was kind of like Camelot 3000, where there was just an interminable wait between issues. There was a five month gap between issues four and five, another three month wait between issues five and six. I love Camelot 3000. I know, but do you remember how waiting a year and a half for issue 12? Yeah, yeah. I do too. That was painful. Uh, Ronan was expected to be huge, bigly, as they say, uh, <laughs> in parts of Florida. So retailers ordered accordingly. As a result, Ronan number ones continued to proliferate bargain bins and shops and conventions everywhere. To this day, 40 years later, you can get a Ronan one for a dollar, I think. Mm -hmm. um but a cgc 9.8 sold for 49 dollars last month that's down from the 90-day average of 78 dollars believe it or not there was a sequel last year ronin book two from the new frank miller's presents comics company layouts by frank drawn by philip tan two issues can't imagine anybody bought it did you buy it no did you ever see it I don't remember seeing it, no. I don't remember seeing it either. Frank Miller comics uh, off to a great start. Um, <laughs> what am I going to do? Am I going to bring back Martha Washington? No, I'm going to bring back Ronan. What did you guys think of Ronan uh, back in the day? Is it time for a critical reassessment? No. But let us know your comments. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested. If anybody really enjoyed this, the book, I, I, I would pick it up and read it, you know, uh if people think it's worth it but history has proven otherwise rob liefeld enjoyed it he ripped off the double page spread for uh shatterstar and x-force once almost line for line q putting that up on the screen editor john <laughs> uh, i i'll leave mr liefeld alone today let's move on to our underrated books of the week richard what do you have my underrated book this week is avengers number 10 which is the first appearance of Immortus, who is a variant of, you guessed it, Kang. 
Into uh, the Kingiverse. Yes. Uh, you can still pick this book up for as little as $160 on eBay, which to me, you know, it's it's not dirt cheap, but we're talking about a first appearance of a major villain, well, a, an important villain, let's say. And also, you know, one of the first 10 issues of the Avengers uh, storyline. It's, it's, it seems to me to be uh, a bargain. Yeah. Um, he, he appeared in the mid the mid credit scene in uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. Apparently. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. No, <laughs> so bad. No, I, I think it's indicative of how people have gotten um, oversaturated with Marvel stuff. But I like the first two Ant-Man movies. Why haven't I seen this one? I don't know. I, I am going to go see um, Guardians of the Galaxy number three. That is definite because I think that storyline is awesome. The characters are awesome. The interactions between those characters are um you can feel the chemistry between that that crew. Maybe it's the, the lack of chemistry in Ant-Man. I really just have not gotten the same feel for I that. just can't bring myself to go to a movie theater again. Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go see um John Wick 4 by People myself. Are so rude and talking and phones and I'm 50. Go on. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm not looking for this book as an MCU ho hopeful. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of Kang. Uh, we're, we've got another season of Loki coming up. I'm sure we're going to see more Kang. But, I, 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 you know, I'm looking post-MCU. And this is an important character, uh, an important villain for the Avengers. And this is his first appearance. And if you can pick it up for $160, $200, uh, I think it's great. CGC 9.8s are scarce. There yeah. has, has not been one sold since 2013. Um, there is a 9.6 that sold this month for $4,300. But yeah, if you think you've got a 9.8 candidate, it's a good idea to get that yeah. thing slapped. Yeah. Should have been slapped a long time ago. Man. Right. Uh, do you have this? I don't. I do not. Do you have the first Ramatut? Yes. So you don't have the first Kang, Avengers 8, either, I assume. No. Okay, so you've got one of the uh, triad. Right. I have none. <laughs> I don't have any of them. <laughs> the only Avengers I still have right now is an Avengers 4, and you're going to get that from my cold, dead fingers. Yeah. I, you know, I've, Kang, Kang, making Kang an important villain in the MCU, I think, was, was great. Kang is a threat, and he is a villain across different titles. But again, I'm just saturated with Marvel stuff right now. The MCU stuff. I mean, I'm not talking about comics. I'm talking specifically about the movies. Yeah. So seeing, you know, John Majors for the next 10 movies is going to be a lot. Going to be major. Ooh. What? Stop. <laughs> All right. So what's your pick for this week? What I picked this week is um, we talked about Marvel Westerns. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Another thing I buy are Marvel War books. Now, you say Marvel War books, you think Sergeant Fury, Captain Savage, and his Leatherneck Raiders. Uh, no, not those. I buy the Atlas War books from Marvel in the 50s when they were Atlas comics. And one of them uh, I bought, and I think you were with me at California Comic Con when I picked this up. It is a classic cover. It is War Adventures number 12. Yeah, I love that cover. 1953, very similar to the Foxhole cover by Jack Kirby with a uh, soldier with one eye injured. Um, very cool. 
Uh, it is actually by Carl Burgos. I thought for a long time this was Russ Heath. It's actually Carl Burgos. It is just a gorgeous cover. I, I can't believe this doesn't get more play. I think they're truly scarce because a CGC 6.0 sold in January for $530. There's only 21 of these on the CGC census. Huh. That's the highest graded is a 9.2. Can you imagine this cover in a 9.2? That's gorgeous. They got to remember, United States was at war when that book came out. Korean War. Korean sure. War. Right. And and so the, the emotions that were going around, I think that book captures. Uh, that's amazing. That is super cheap, for, in my opinion, for a book of that caliber. Do you remember what I paid for this at California Comic Con? No. I traded for it. Oh, okay. I traded, I think, a Wolverine comic of some sort that I had no uh, love for. You know, it was a minor key. I can't remember. I think it was like an $80 book. You had a whole backpack full of trade bait when we went there. That's the way to do it now. You know, I'd rather keep my cash and, and trade for things I don't care about for things I do. Uh, all of these Atlas War titles are insanely underrated, especially in grades of 6.0 or higher. Again, when you're in that dark corner of your comic shop next to the Westerns box, if you look over, <laughs> you might see its little partner there with the word war scribbled on a black Sharpie. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't hurt to go digging through those. Right. I agree. And we're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, Richard, are you going to go to your local LCS and start looking for those uh, dusty boxes of Westerns? And, uh... I think I am. You know, we have um, a mutual friend at uh, Comics Are Go, Eric, and yeah. uh, he has a great back stock. I think I'm going to go there and see. <laughs> he yeah, uses he knows, his slabs. But, he knows uh, what he's doing, though. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, but you know, like you mentioned, I, I think I think they're undervalued. Just the market right now undervalues them, and you know, that, to me, that's an opportunity. I'd rather buy a great book that's undervalued than a flash in the pan book uh, any day. And on that Spider Verse note, we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Everybody, stay safe.